The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. We appreciate you uh, checking out the show. We're going to talk about Tiger Woods today and how, well, maybe he was treated a little bit differently than you and I would be treated. Following the wreck that he had, we'll talk about things that you should do when you're pulled over. But guys, first thing I want to do is come out of the gate talking about probably the biggest story that we'll have in um, the next few weeks, if not months, and that is the divorce of Bill and Melinda Gates after 27 years. They no longer believe, this is a quote from them, they no longer believe they can grow together as a couple in the next phase of their lives. They have three children. They're worth about $137 billion. Give or take a few billion here and there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like it's going to be, it's not like it's going to be a regular divorce case, just like going down to the Fulton County Courthouse and, and divorcing and dividing things up with a joint bank account. It's not like that. I wouldn't expect it to be. And, you know, you don't think the Gates are going to be spending too much time fighting over who gets the China set mm-hmm. uh, that grandma left and who gets the couch. But at the same time, there's still emotion involved. It sure. doesn't matter who it is. And, you know, no matter how much money there is involved, Ultimately, there's a reason that they're separating, and if they were agreeable on everything, they probably wouldn't be separating. So this is one of those cases that I imagine the biggest law firms in the world are getting very excited to crank up their billing machines because there's so much money involved here. Um, I mean, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has given away something like $50 billion over the years. Uh, They've got $5 billion they've given away in this past year. There's so much money at stake here that they're just going to turn on the tap and these lawyers are going to find a way to make sure that everything gets looked at and analyzed properly. There are no stones left unturned. Ray and I have seen this plenty of times with our friends who do divorce law. Typically, they fight until all the money is spent and then they work out a deal. Here, they couldn't fight enough to spend all this money. Yeah, to quote the great author F. Scott Fitzgerald, who wrote The Great Gatsby, the rich are different than you and me. (laughs) Amen to that. That is the truth. So whatever any of our many listeners, whether they're friends or family members or themselves, have gone through a divorce, the issues that most regular folks would go through in a divorce case are not going to be the problems for the Gates Foundation and the Gates people. So they're not worried about who gets the Chevy and who pays off the Tahoe and who mm-hmm. gets the pool mm-hmm. and you know the kids for the alternating holidays. This is billions and billions of dollars, money that, aside from the Bezos divorce last year, has really never been dealt with before by the legal system. So various questions. What state will they be divorced in? I believe they reside in California which I believe is a community property state. So they were married for 27 years. They are equal partners, 50-50 partners in every asset that's been acquired in the 27 years from when Microsoft went from a stock worth about 37 cents, you know, back in the day to a, one of the biggest companies on the face of the earth and continuing to grow. I would assume they've had lots of really good high-priced legal advice over the past 27 years. There may have been a prenup, I believe, Mr. Gates was of some significant value when they were married. Yeah, he was still one of the richest men in the world when they were married. But what I read today was that there was no prenup 
who knows if that's accurate, but I think they put together some sort of an agreement before they announced and filed the divorce. So chances are this has been worked out already ahead of, time? ahead of time and that you're not going to have wrangling and fighting too much. But the ones who are the most affected here probably are not Bill or Melinda Gates, not their children. It's the beneficiaries of all the giving that the foundation does. There are a lot of nervous groups out there who are wondering, is the money going to continue to flow into our charities? Because any disruption here to this huge source of funding that does so much good in the world affects thousands and thousands of people. But on the flip side, when the Bezos husband and wife divorced, she went on a tremendous campaign of giving money away, billions. And I don't think he's given quite as much as she's ever given uh, in a short period of time. So in some weird way, this may unleash even more money. Now we have two super wealthy people uh, who can do what they want with it. And I think they're both seem to be very dedicated to their charities and their uh, philosophy. And I know Bill Gates has done a lot about global warming, and I believe she's also invested heavily in that. Yeah, and they've done a lot with public health around the world and trying to um, bring some sense of equity to where the resources are allocated around the world for public health. It seems that as far as Melinda is concerned, on a personal level, there are a lot of women's issues that matter more to her. And so I would expect you're going to see an increase in funding for opportunities for women to excel and you know, get some sort of equity in their opportunities compared to just the public health initiatives. There's a tremendous amount of money that was given by the foundation to the effort to develop the vaccine and spread the vaccine uh, for COVID-19. Perhaps folks who are worried that Bill Gates is trying to take over their bodies, you know, can have a little bit of uh, an easier time sleeping at night, maybe knowing that uh, there's less money going to the Bill Gates vaccine and he won't be trying to do something subversive to get the Microsoft chip injected into their bodies. Right, right, which would be good news. There. Nobody wants to be chipped. Nobody wants to be chipped. But as we see, as the pandemic continues really to spread worldwide, if you watch what's going on in India, they are, you know, where New York they're City reeling. was a year ago. I mean, yeah, they're you know, reeling. you're talking about 1.3 billion people having to stay in these genera- multi-generational homes, which continues to just spread the virus, according to the science, that I, as I understand it. So I, I would venture to say that the Gates Foundation and its giving has got a lot more to do, if, if they're, and I believe they're dedicated to it. But uh, Yeah, and interesting, you know, obviously Bill Gates is a tremendous innovator uh, with everything that was done with Microsoft and respects business, respects entrepreneurialism, and respects intellectual property, right? Yeah, and so one of, of the challenges here is that India needs help. And the United States would like to help India, but the United States is not in a position to give up the intellectual property rights that are held by independently owned companies in the United States. Like you can't, they can't just take Pfizer's intellectual property and Correct. give it away. Right. And, right. and one of the criticisms that's been levied against Gates in his philanthropy is that he has done a lot to protect the integrity of intellectual property rights even while trying to balance the playing field out around the world. Yeah, he understands and, and the, he the understands. importance of it. Yeah. And, and it's a difficult process to balance that, you know, you deserve to make money for the things you create. Correct. But at the same time, there's an obligation to help spread this around the world and balance out the equities. And at the same time, these pharmaceutical companies, and the next time anybody wants to go on tirade about big pharma, step back and realize who in 11 months went from ground zero to having 97% you know, effective vac- vaccines. It was big pharma. Right. It wasn't any government. It wasn't any group of do-gooders. It was folks that make money and know how to make right. vaccines. So the issue also becomes what happens 
when the next world health crisis hits. Because it'll happen. It'll happen. This is not going to be a a once in a hundred years thing. I believe you. I I think think everybody agrees on So, So if you... If we're going to force Big Pharma now to give up their intellectual property rights, do we get to go back to them next time and say, hey, we've got this new uh, this new thing, you know, is making people's ears fall off. Yeah. Can you guys go in the lab and, you know, make something up, chop, chop, like, like and, then, and, then, and then we'll make you give up the formula, you yeah. know, so, so there's some real balancing there. And, yeah, but, uh, but I think that's the wisdom, to, to Bruce's point, the wisdom of Bill Gates and the fact that he understands exactly what you're saying, but he feels compelled to help the world in need. You're right, Ray. I don't know that the world is going to say, you know, Big Pharma did it good this time. You, I mean, I don't think anybody's thinking that. Wait for the next set of congressional hearings <laughs> right. to investigate why yeah. Merck and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson took so long, and what did they do with the public money, and why is it? Co- you know, yeah. I mean, it's going to happen. There's there are elections every two years or every four years, so right. you can yeah. always call in. Which banner is going to get the most attention as you wave you it? You can always call Big Pharma in and beat them up. But yeah. one of the exciting things about the Gates divorce situation, everybody has fantasized, what would you do if you hit the lottery? You know, yeah, and especially right. when yeah. the numbers get big. Bill Gates didn't hit the lottery. Bill Gates created, created. enormous wealth, <laughs> you right. know, through his talents and those around him. But they're in that position of having more money than you could ever spend on yourself. And what would you do? You know, and we all go through this exercise of like, what would I do? And I have a plan. I still okay, go out and well, buy, what buy is a lottery ticket. Well, you know, it's it's roughly spending between four to eight hours a day just on me. Yeah, you know, all right. Like massages I got you. Yeah. And, at the spa. And with trainers oh, right. and spa right. and, yes. and, you know, uh, working out and that kind of thing, eating right. But then spending the remainder of the day figuring out how to give the money away. Yeah, and, okay. And, and, you know, the Gates have embarked their entire lives on figuring out how to give that yeah. money away. And so I expect when they get through this divorce and get it, get it all figured out of who gets what, it's going to just continue. You know, they're, they're going to continue will. doing that. But um, I, I know how lawyers think. I know how big firm lawyers think. There are a lot of folks licking their chops. Can't wait to get that billing machine going here. They're going to do as much imaginable work and then some to bill as much time to this as they can. Because it's going to end and they're going to separate and then, you know. Well, it has to be done right so we can agree as lawyers on that because the stakes are so large. And then think about all the tax planning. So we're about to take this enormous amount of wealth, split it up amongst two different people, two separate people. There's these huge charitable deductions. But now the administration, the current administration is talking about pretty dramatic changes to the federal tax code, including estate so their estate planning may go up in smoke, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we may have a new death tax, a new wealth tax, taxes on capital gains. So if either of them cash in the stock that they've held for 20 years, will they be taxed under the current capital gains tax rate of, I believe, 21% or the future much higher capital gains tax? So there may be some reason that this is timed, that this divorce that may have been under works ah, for a while. That's a good point. All of a sudden- you say, hey, wait a second. Your tax people come in and say, you know, uh, now's the time to pull now. the trigger on yeah. this. We may go from 21% to 35%. That's a lot of money. That For the Gates, husband and wife, they would be giving that away for charity. So they're not trying to beat the tax man, in my opinion. They're looking at, hey, wait, should I give this to the government when I can, when I can give it, solve be, another problem? Be, or be right, more right. philanthropic, which is what we want to do anyway. But right. under the category of uh, the rich are different, um, <laughs> you know, it's easier for the rich to tolerate each uh, their differences and, mm-hmm. and get through these sort of problems and live kind of separate <laughs> right. lives without divorcing right? because they have so much money. Because it they costs can, too much. They get, and it costs too much, exactly. I, you know, I, I had a relative who said, you know, I would get divorced, but it's too expensive. There, I, think, <laughs> I think we all have heard that before and probably know someone in that scenario. 
either then or now. It's a fascinating conversation. Can I just clarify? That yeah. relative was not my wife. No, okay, no, no, good. I'm glad you. I'm glad you put that out. How long you've been married for? What? Twenty five years. I've been married. It'll be thirty three years. Uh, this Congratulations. Month. I remember telling me she said it's been five of the best years of her life. <laughs> there we go. So uh, we'll continue the conversation on the other side of the break. I want to get into Tiger Woods and the fact that he had this crash back in February, and there's new information about it, what he did, what he didn't do, and how it affects you and I, or how it would have affected you and I if we're in that same accident. You're listening to Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. Thank you so much for checking out the show here on Extra 106.3. Tiger Woods had a wreck back in February. Nobody could figure out what had happened. There was a lot of mystery. Tiger wasn't, he wasn't tested for any sort of substance or alcohol in his system because his blood pressure was too low when he went to the hospital. But they did, the the police officers, the sheriff's department that investigated this, decided to go back and get a black box out of his car. And I don't think most people, and we'll get to some of this, most people knew that there was a black box in your car. And if you've purchased a car in the last 10 years or so, you definitely have. Ray, you've put it the best off the air is it's not just the Mercedes-Benz high-end cars. If you're in a Hyundai or a Ford or a Chevy, there's a black box in there. The technology is so inexpensive nowadays. The chip power is so incrementally, you know, Moore's Law, which was the inventor of you know, the first owner of Intel, Professor Moore, prophesied that every year chip power would multiply to a power of two or three. Well, it's probably to a power of 3,000 now. I mean, there's more computing power in these cell phones than on a spaceship that went to the moon 50 years ago. So what folks don't know is that these black boxes, these electronic recording devices, they can pick up your acceleration, your deceleration, your braking, monitor the tires. Did the seatbelts work? Were they enforced? Did the airbag explode when it was supposed to deploy? And there's just so much information. I know Bruce was saying earlier that in your PI cases, this is becoming really relevant. Oh, absolutely. And and certainly relevant in the Woods case, right? And and so the idea that somebody would have a single car crash on a highway in California where an officer would respond to that, would, would look at the person's driving history while they're there, because they always do that, right? Mm-hmm. They pull your license. They, they're going to see that. And on there, you're going to see evidence of other 
cases involving intoxication while driving, while causing a crash, and yet they're going to be so starstruck, which is my opinion, not reinforced by anything, uh, because it's Tiger Woods, as to say that, oh, there's no reason for us to look any further here. Mr. Woods doesn't recall what happened. We're just going to leave it at that. I don't think there's a single person we know or listening to this broadcast who would have been treated as well as Tiger Woods got treated here. Right. And to go back to our the premise of the show, which is justice and what is fair, I think every one of my clients would have been charged. All of us would have been charged, even if it was just a speeding ticket. Didn't have to get up to anything more serious than that. But to take a state-of-the-art vehicle, okay, so we probably have eliminated mechanical malfunctions, that it's an old, old beat-up vehicle that went off the road or a tire blowout. I mean, they inspected this $65,000 vehicle and found it was brand new. Right. It was a loner. You're also talking about a professional athlete, not me. I'm a 63-year-old man. You know, right. I'm not the height of my, my mm-hmm. reflexes, my mm-hmm. vision, my attention span. What is Tiger, 40, 41 years of age? He's really at the height, speaking to, to another older fella, <laughs> right. of his physical, of right. his physical yes. reflex ability. As 60-year-olds uh, looking back, we can say that uh, our reflexes were better at 40 than they are at 60. I remember right. it fondly. Uh, but and, is there, and, yeah. and, and even beyond that, I mean, it was, it was public knowledge that he'd just gone through a surgery. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was prescribed painkillers. He has an issue in the past with painkillers and with uh, sleep deprivation. You know, I think his previous crash was taking Ambien. Now, you know, you're not supposed to, as an officer, say, well, just because you had that happen before, we're going to assume that that happened again. But when a person say, yeah, yes, I am prescribed prescription medications, I have no recollection of how this crash happened. There's an issue of, is there something going on here? Is there a substance? To then say, well, we just won't take blood from you. We won't do any kind of testing on you. Even when you go to the hospital, you know, okay, he had low blood pressure. You take a urine test. There, there's ways to there's test ways somebody around it. That's right. to Absolutely. see if they're impaired. And, and the idea that we're not going to do that here really is, is a classic example of stars being treated differently than normal people would get treated. Almost a month later, they finally download the black box and find that he was going 84 miles an hour. That's right. In, I believe, a 45, That's I mean, correct. almost at least right. double the speed in a very treacherous you know, strip of roadway that I think people actually go out and try to see how fast they can go. Yeah. So now we, we go, well, A, he's a professional athlete. Was he just challenging himself and testing out this new vehicle, which would be reckless driving for you and me, yep. right. which is a serious misdemeanor charge. It would affect your criminal history. It would affect your insurance rates. The state of California must have spent thousands of dollars to get him out of that vehicle with the jaws of life. You know, four or five paramedics, police officers towing that vehicle out of the ravine who gets the bill for that, by the way? I mean, I have a lot of respect for, for Mr. Woods. You know, he's, yeah, me too. Okay, uh, yeah, that's, that's and I'm fair. Not, I'm not sitting here saying he was impaired or that he was reckless driving. But the real question is, is it fair that there was not a serious investigation into what happened here? That's, right. that's really the, the issue. And looking at the black box data that was obtained, it tells you how fast he was going at the time of crash. What happens when there's an incident is that the chip will preserve data going back either between five seconds to 15 seconds before the incident. Mm-hmm. So everything about the car is preserved right there. So what do they know? They know he was going 83 to 84 miles per hour when he lost control and crashed. They know that his foot was pressed down 99% pressure on the accelerator. Mm-hmm. So he is mashed down on the, mm-hmm. on the gas pedal as hard as you can go. What does that indicate to somebody, certainly in law enforcement? It indicates a driver who's asleep at the wheel, mm-hmm. literally. And everything about that would tell you that this is somebody who is not attempting to 
keep their vehicle under control, is not trying to slow down or, or navigate a curve safely. They're asleep. And here you've got a guy who doesn't remember what happened. Okay, Which head, would also indicate a sleep. It indicates that. It can also indicate a head injury. A lot of times okay. with head injuries, people don't recall what happened before. But certainly, it's enough there for the officers to say, based on this hard data evidence that is admissible in court, everywhere in the country, we can use that data in court, we have a basis to charge you with a crime, you know, and reckless driving, speeding, all these things. Let me change the paradigm just slightly, though, Bruce. So we're talking about this accident in the context of what I do, which is defense of criminal charges, including serious accidents and traffic charges. Let's say somebody was hurt in this accident. A vehicle coming in the other direction was clipped by Tiger. He had a passenger who was harmed, which is a totally plausible situation. So now in the civil world, the lawsuit insurance defense world, what would you how would you represent a passenger of that vehicle? You'd be looking at the same evidence as well. Yeah. I mean, and these are cases where representing an injured party, we frequently hire someone in the field of accident reconstruction to help put together this kind of evidence for you. Here in this case, the state of California has done that already for you. You wouldn't have to go to that extent of hiring somebody whose opinion might be seen as tainted by the issue of who hired them, right? You've got the neutral state investigators coming up with this evidence. Um, But realistically, the evidence from that black box is objective, and it doesn't matter who's pulling it. It's, it's going to show what it shows, and it shows it very clearly here. So, yeah, you're going to say that this is a person who was impaired, negligent, not fulfilling their duties to either the passenger or drivers of other cars, and should be responsible not just for the harm that they've caused, but also should be subject to punitive damages because this is not the first time that you've been impaired behind the wheel of a car and lost control of a car, causing some injuries. I can assure you that whatever prescription medication he was given for the pain from the surgery has a a label. It's got a warning. And part of it says, don't operate heavy machinery. And they're not talking about your old John Deere. They're talking about driving a a vehicle at high speed on the highways and byways of, you know, our our country. And, And again, this is a fellow who's had this incident before i believe it was in orlando florida that's right he was had an accident was impaired due to medication ambient sleep medication he was charged with driving under the influence of that medication that was reduced to a reckless driving a still serious misdemeanor charge does that mean he did that again well it could but certainly in this civil lawsuit world he is on notice that if you take these powerful prescription medications, you need to abide by the directions. Take them in moderation. It's what's called the therapeutic level. You can drive certain vehicles with certain medications if your blood level is in the therapeutic level. It's doing the medication. But if you've taken too much or you've taken too little, I had a, a case, a very serious case a few years ago. It was a vehicle homicide case where my client was on seizure medication. And he had let his seizure medication lapse to a degree. He was cutting the pills in half is what he was doing against doctor's orders and any kind of common sense. And so the therapeutic level dropped to where he had a breakout seizure. The seizure basically broke through the medication firewall. And while driving a car, ran through an intersection and caused the death of another citizen. So he was charged with a felony crime. And and I know that there was civil litigation. So how would you handle that? Yeah, and that's a challenge because there is a defense to negligence if you are having a an unforeseen medical episode, right? If you're driving your car and you have a heart attack or you have a seizure, that can be a defense to your negligence, even though it would appear that you clearly caused a crash. Well, in this case, you would argue that when this person made the decision not to follow doctor's orders to adjust their medication the way they wanted to adjust it, that they then 
created a situation where this was a foreseeable result of that decision, and so they should be accountable for it. We've got a case right now that's an awful case involving the death of a five-year-old kid in the back of a car, Mm. and the person who was driving the car that crashed into it had been tampering with her medications um, against her doctor's advice. Well, there's a vehicular homicide case that's pending against that person, and there's a civil case that's pending against that person. And this is an issue that is coming up there very strongly because they're trying to say that, well, she was having an episode Mm -hmm. and can't be held accountable for the episode. And we're saying that, no, when she tampered with her own medication, this was absolutely the foreseeable, in fact, the inevitable result of what would happen is that she would spin out of control mentally, causing somebody to be hurt. Let me play devil's advocate here. What if I'm that person that has tampered with my medication, but I say that I can't afford it? Now, that's the reason I had to cut it in half, because I couldn't afford it. What you can't, what you can't do then is drive the car. Okay. okay. So that's, I mean, those, that, that, that's the yeah, rebuttal. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bruce has used a word for, for non-lawyers. You need to know that the word foreseeability mm-hmm. is absolutely one of the most important words in, in the legal system. What is foreseeable to a reasonable person? And if you're prescribed these powerful medications— and you tamper with them, don't take them properly, or they make you drowsy, and you know they're making you drowsy. Every time you take them, you fall asleep in the living room, on the couch, and wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, watching. And don't the, know where you are. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> then, then don't take them and drive. And that brings it back to Tiger Woods, right? So, so the officer said that, well, I had no reason to suspect that he was impaired in any way, although when I questioned him at the scene, um, he, he was speaking, um, but he had no recollection whatsoever of having been in an accident. Well, there you are, you know, with your leg broken um, by, I think, the force of the, 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 uh, the load, impact the on the tree. Well, the, there were like 10 or 12 airbags, I think, in that vehicle, oh, okay. one Got of it. which pins your shins in place, keeps you, keeps you stable there. But the airbags come out with tremendous force. And so, you know, would have shattered his tibia, fibia right there in that incident, but kept him from being thrown from the vehicle, probably. So it's a trade off. Um, but has no recollection of being in a crash and believed he was in the state of Florida. Didn't even know where right. he was, right? That's the sort of thing that, you know, an officer, again, p- coming upon one of us or anybody who's not one of the most famous people in the world and is going to hear that kind of thing says, yeah, maybe I should test this person and just get a sense yeah. of whether or not they're impaired as opposed to perhaps getting an autograph and taking a selfie with Tiger Woods. Right. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I was merging onto 400. And this woman decided she wasn't going to let me merge. I mean, everybody was filing in. Well, she sped up and clipped the back of my Jeep tire, right? So it didn't do any damage. We just kind of rubbed on hers. But I pulled over, and she pulled over. She was like, I wasn't letting you in. I wasn't. I was like, well, but ma'am, you kind of have to. I mean, it's, it's a merge. And so she sits there. I, I call the police. They come out very quickly and respond. Before the police gets there, she takes off. She leaves. And I'm like, what in the world? The officer got there. I explained to him what happened. I told her that she left. I described the car and her, and all of a sudden he says, uh, can you come to my car? And I said, yes, sir. And I look in there. On his screen is this woman's picture. He was like, is that her? <laughs> I was like, yes. How did you know? So it goes back to what you're saying. When there's already evidence there, There's, I mean, this woman's full picture was on display. So if there is a reason to think somebody's done something, that would probably be one of the situations like you're talking about, right? Absolutely. That's that's kind of uh, 22nd century stuff right there, uh, you know, having the picture of the, the hit-and-run driver right there for you. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was the strangest thing yeah. I'd ever seen and, and experienced in my life, and this was only a couple of years ago. Yeah. So, so, so this may not be on topic, but something that the listeners should consider here. 
you had this situation and the driver fled the scene. Um, the officers were able to identify her. More often than not, they can't identify hit-and-run drivers. Happens all the time. There is a way to protect yourself against that sort of thing, and it's very simple. It's called uninsured motorist coverage, mm-hmm. and it's probably the most important thing that every driver can have on their insurance policy. It's a way of saying that if somebody hits you who either is uninsured or is an unknown driver or who just doesn't have enough insurance because it's also underinsured uh, motorist coverage, you can protect yourself, right? You can't control who it is that hits you in their car. Like, you know, not everybody gets hit by Arthur Blank. More often than not, you're hit by somebody who may not have a high level of insurance. Well, if you're not hurt, fine, right? Or if you just have very minor injuries, fine. You know, the insurance that they have, Georgia has a minimum policy limit of $25,000, meaning I have to have at least $25,000 of coverage on my car in case I hurt somebody else. But suppose I have a pretty significant injury, right? And I have to go to the hospital and I have to have surgery and have to miss work for a few weeks or a month or longer, or have something that has very long-term consequences. I can't count on the other driver having enough coverage for me to be made whole. The only way I can do that is to make sure that I protect myself and my family by having uninsured motorist coverage both on my car and on my umbrella policy and have as much of it as you can possibly afford to have. Yeah, and that's reflected on your declarations page as U slash M. It means both uninsured or underinsured. I give this advice to family and friends and, and clients. Get as much as you can get the coverage. Don't go online at 2 o'clock in the morning and buy discount coverage. This is where the loss of having the, the old ins- family insurance agent I have seen in my 35 years of practice has changed the kind of coverages that people have because they're just trying to save money rather than having a good agent say, no, you want that umbrella, that million-dollar umbrella, because we're also going to write your homeowner's policy, and it'll follow you in your car, mm-hmm. and God forbid something happens, you're covered, you're going to protect your assets. And then I always advise, get as much UM as you have in liability coverage. Mm-hmm. Insure yourself to protect yourself as much as you're willing to insure, God forbid, you make a mistake and hurt somebody. So, uh, and, and the cost of that is not, it's not that much. No, it's, it's not. It's, yeah. it's, it's minimal. I mean, we had a case recently on behalf of a police officer who had got injured on the job. So there was a workers' comp component that was separate from everything, but he was hit by a car as he was stopped helping respond to a scene of another crash. And he got hit as a pedestrian outside oh, the wow. car. Terrible injuries. I mean, it's amazing that he lived. But he had $1,300,000 of uninsured motorist coverage between multiple vehicles. And the person who hit him had Mm -hmm. $25,000. So the person who hit him, their insurance is like, we can't pay you fast enough, (laughs) the $25,000, to try to get out of this case. Of course. But we're still allowed to go after this uninsured motorist coverage. That became a three-year fight to get it. We got every penny and, and more, actually, because the insurance company refused to pay this officer in bad faith. And so we had to go to trial. And, and, you know, again, what's the name of the show? Your day in court? Yeah, that's right. We had our day in court, and justice prevailed, and he collected more than his coverage on that case. But it's just a classic example where this guy had the foresight to have that kind of coverage there, hoping to never use it, right? We all hope to never use it. But, it, you know, for him, it enabled him to now live the rest of his days knowing that, okay, at least I have this safety net mm-hmm. of knowing I'll be able to feed my family and keep the lights on. That's right. So let's talk about something else. Because, Ray, you mentioned people trying to save a dollar or two with insurance. There is something I have on my phone right now, which is my Allstate app. And I'll take direction from you two on what I should do with this. But as soon as I installed it, but the only reason I wanted it is because my cards were on there, right? Because I always end up losing them, can't figure out where they are. It was like, can we access your location? Can we access this, that, and the other? And I was like, no, no, no. 
you would have let us have all that information, we're going to knock $30 off of your premium. I would rather just pay the $30. Am I right on this? Am I wrong on this? Which way do I, should I leave? Well, the companies now want to monitor your driving. Now, in theory, that's really how we should be built. It should be built by how many miles you drive, how many tickets you get or don't get, and, you know, are you exceeding the speed limit in 80% of your travel? <laughs> and, and, and that's what really it should be done. And now the technology is there for insurance companies to do that because it's basically all been on demographics, mm-hmm. male, female, age, zip code. Right. The technology is there, and they want to put a little thing in your car or on your, or phone. On your phone to follow you. Now, parents have been using these trackers for years on their kids. Some yeah, kids like don't Life know 360. It. Exactly. So the technology is there. I think it's going to become uh, mandatory. In other words, I think all the companies are going to say, you know what now? We're not playing games anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have <laughs> we're, to allow We're insuring us. the car, yeah. and we want to know what the car is doing and where it's going. And, yeah, it'll cost you less if you're a good driver and if you're only going down to the grocery store on Sundays and you're not hauling ass all you're over doing, town. You're yeah. doing 54 in yeah. a 55. Yeah, that's what they want you to do. I've got a simpler approach to this issue, okay? And, and it's this idea that uh, comes from having spent 30-plus years of my career fighting insurance companies. If they're offering something that they say is to help you, <laughs> most am, likely it's not. It's not to help you. It's to help them. <laughs> right. and, and, and it's funny. My dad was both a criminal lawyer and a lifelong gambler. Uh, and and uh, he taught me several lessons at the blackjack table, um, one of which is when the house uh, has an ace showing and they offer insurance. Yeah. And his standard response to the dealer was, if you're selling it, I'm not buying it. Right. Um, Smart and, man. And I feel that way when it comes to insurance. Right. You're telling me you're doing this to help me. Mm-hmm. The reality is I know you're trying to avoid letting me make a claim, this is going to be used to hurt me. And, right. and you're right, Tug, for the $30 that it saves you on premiums, just pay it. It, it's just not worth it because ultimately they're going to use it against you. But ultimately, there's still, we go back to the black box, okay? Now, so you want to file a claim. You wrecked your car. You, you say you ran off the road because a squirrel ran in front of you. Well, your insurance company, they've got to total out the vehicle and they're going to write either you or the, the bank a big check. Well, they download the box and finds out that, you know, it wasn't a squirrel. It was that you were going 84 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone, and now they don't want to pay because yeah. you were speeding. You violated the, the, the contract of driving safely. So I think folks need to know that you're being monitored and watched, and uh, Facebook knows what you're buying, right. and Google. they sell it over to LinkedIn, and then yep. LinkedIn sends it to somebody else. Yep. And and I, I just think the cat's out of, the, out of the bag on this stuff anyway. I think it's just a question of time before the many things that we do. It's just a, it's like a user fee. I yep. mean, that's how we're going to be built. And then it's just a question of getting used to it. Look, tractor trailers have had this technology in, in all the big companies for years. Uh, how many hours the drivers are awake and, and monitoring them. We'll be, we'll be with driverless tractor trailers, don't you think, in the oh, next yeah, few it's, years? It's coming. And by the time your kids, Tug, are, are our age, not even, by the time they're your age, yeah. um, they, they, the occupation of truck driver may not exist. The occupation of cab driver may not exist. Um, with autonomous cars. Autonomous yeah. cars and, yeah. and the safety features that are built into them. It, it's, it's happening. I mean, it's going to be a rough couple of years, 10 years, 20 years till we get there. Um, but the technology is advancing so rapidly that it'll happen. And, you know, the thing with autonomous cars is they don't drink. 
They don't pick up hookers at truck stops. They don't they, speed. They, they don't speed. <laughs> they don't fall asleep at the wheel like Tiger Woods apparently did they, in his right. crash. You know, they keep not, a safe distance behind yeah, the, behind the vehicle in front of them. They're not looking at TikTok as they drive. <laughs> they don't at current technology levels. They don't pick up erratic movements of pedestrians and bicyclists very well. And so people will die as this technology is developed, but it will continue to develop and I think it's coming, and and the idea of these single car crashes that keep so many lawyers on TV all day, it's just going to go away. I think that's right, and I think it's going to have such a spillover effect on our culture. I believe it's in Houston that Domino's or Pizza Hut has now got an autonomous delivery vehicle within Mm -hmm. like one or two miles of a store. It's a robot, basically, and they put the pizza in it, and it comes up to your address, and the thing opens up, and there's your pizza, and you put in your card, and you pay for it. So Amazon's moving that way. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, it's happening, and and it's going to have enormous effects on the economy as a whole, not just on the legal I agree. We'll continue the conversation about what it is that you should do in the situation that you're in an accident, or if you get pulled over at a roadblock. Talk about some of that, and I will give you the actual quote from Sergeant Downing from the uh, L.A. Police Department who investigated the black box recorder from Tiger Woods' wreck. We'll talk about that next on Your Day in Court here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Final segment of your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. I wanted to, before we get to what you should do in a particular situation, whether you're in an accident or you come to a roadblock and you've had a beer or two, What should you do? What are your rights? I wanted to read you this, and I got this from USA Today to give them credit. This is according to the data from the black box recorder. Tiger Woods was going in a straight line with no steering input detected until some slight steering movement registered late in the recorded crash sequence. And this is from the data prepared by Sergeant Michael Downing. Had Woods applied the brakes to reduce his speed or steered to correct his direction of travel, he would not have collided with the center median and the collision would not have occurred. Now knowing that, can they go back and file charges against Tiger Woods if they wanted to? Oh, absolutely. On a misdemeanor in Georgia, we'll use Georgia by example, is a two-year statute of limitations. Absolutely. You can go get a warrant, write him a citation, have him come to court. There's no question about that. And, and in the civil context of the cases we handled, when Ray asked earlier, like suppose there had been an injury to another mm-hmm. passenger or somebody in another car, that's the proof that you would look for to say that the negligence of Tiger Woods as driver caused the crash 
that causes injuries. In the legal world, we call that proximate cause. The state of California could certainly go back and charge him. I would not expect them to okay, do so because I think question. they would have done it by now. Yeah. You know, there may actually be some medical evidence that is helpful to Mr. Woods if I was representing him. For example, should the EMTs did what's called a Glasgow coma scale, which was sort of like the inostagnus test in the DUI world, looking for pupil movement and dilation of the eyes and things like that. Well, maybe that was a perfect score which is evidence against impairment or sleepiness, Mm -hmm. right? Or even the opposite. Maybe he had a low score indicating that he suffered a head injury. And if he suffered a head injury, you could say, well, you can't count anything that uh, he said. That's right. Well, and and just a shock from the trauma. When you break your leg and those airbags explode and they give off gases, which, you know, I've had DUI cases where my client was in a bad wreck. All the airbags went off. And the first thing the officer notes is bloodshot eyes. Well, Try having that gas from the airbags yeah. explode uh, in your yeah. face. Yeah. Or uh, just get punched in the nose if, if that's yeah. ever happened to you. The first thing that happens is your eyes tear up uh, and get glossy. And you know, with and those so, airbags coming yeah. out the way they do. Yeah. I can see that. There's arguments both ways. It would be, mm. be actually a kind of a fun case for lawyers to work on and get into the medical evidence. And the don't forget those EMTs are right on top of you, and their job is to gather in medical information for the emergency room trauma doctors. So they're making all kinds of observations. One of the things I see in accident cases and DUI cases is ETOH, alcohol on person, but from the EMTs, the ambulance people, the paramedics. Well, they don't give you a blood alcohol level, but they can smell it. Now, if we go back and look at those EMT records and there's no odor of alcohol, there's either a good Glasgow coma or a bad, you know, so there's, there's a lot of things that right. can be done. And perhaps law enforcement has privately done that investigation and said, well, we just don't have enough evidence for anything more than a speeding ticket. But nonetheless, what's fair? Again, if we went back to you, me, our neighbors, our friends and family, would they be getting a ticket? I conclude they would be for at least speeding, if not reckless driving. Right. And not to mention, you know, there's damage caused probably to a guardrail somewhere that's, you know, there's someone's going to have to pay for if that. If you take out a power pole, George Power sends your bill. When you yeah. take out a telephone pole, you get there about $900 with the wood ones and $1,500 with the metal <laughs> right. ones. I had a lot of clients take <laughs> them out. some experience there. Well, I, 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 you know, that's what we do. And then there's the EMT bill, and then there's the emergency room bill. I mean, so again, going back to Mr. Woods, he created a lot of medical expense and a lot of resources used to extricate him from the situation with no real ramifications. But, you know, Okay, I don't know what happened. Maybe maybe somebody made a call. And maybe the police would look at this and say, well, this would literally be adding insult to injury and we're just going to let it go. I don't see a whole lot of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I I get some clients that say, well, you know, gee, you think he would have let me go? I wrecked my car and I still got a ticket. Yeah, Yeah, you wrecked your car and you still got a ticket (laughs) because that's the officer's job. It's not their job to give justice or injustice on the street. It's their job to do an investigation and let it lead to where it leads, and the ultimate resolution would have been some type of a citation. What do I do if I'm Joe Q. Public and I'm in a crash? What do I do? I mean, obviously, if you're in the Tiger situation and the, you know, you're knocked out, it's going to be a little bit different. But let's say you're just in a crash. What's the first thing you should do? Well, prior to that, you should not drink and drive. We of talk, course. We, we talk about this. So, so, you know, you don't want to be impaired behind the wheel of a car for anything. You want to be well-rested. You don't want to be tired. But what should you do? You're going to need to ask yourself, is this my fault? Is this somebody else's fault? You want to immediately gather information. You can't count on the police doing it all for you. So everybody now is a photographer Mm full-time, a videographer. We all have cameras with us 24-7. Take pictures. Get names. If there are witnesses out there who say, I saw the whole thing, I Mm -hmm. saw what happened, get their name. Get Mm -hmm. their phone number. If someone takes the time to stop at the scene of a crash, they're not going to object to being called later to Mm -hmm. say what they saw. Obviously, if you're hurt, you're going to want to get medical. 
medical attention promptly. Insurance companies will absolutely use a delay in getting medical treatment against you, claiming that you really weren't hurt. If you were hurt, you would have gotten treatment immediately. Which is nonsense because there's all kinds of times when I've played in my co-ed softball league and I'll come up a little lame or something running the bases and I'm like, ah, I'm all right. And then later that night I get home and I'm not all right. And go back to Bruce's point about the uh, delay in treatment. You should immediately, I always tell folks and they call me about an accident, I was like, go to the urgent care. Well, I feel okay. And I always say in my best Yiddish, oh, so you're a doctor all of a sudden. (laughs) And I say, but I say common sense. If you felt poorly, bad, and you told your mom, what would she she say? We're going to the doctor. Mm -hmm. I'm calling the doctor. Let Mm -hmm. me take your temperature. So get immediate medical treatment. Of course, what the insurance companies then do when they perceive that you've gotten too much treatment, then they accuse you of over-treating. So it's a fine line to walk. They want to use whatever they can against you. There's a whole insurance defense menu. Not enough treatment, too much treatment, too fast treatment. You went to the lawyer first. Like, you know, we've seen it all. (laughs) And the question of what should I do is is really two-pronged because there's different situations, right? There's the situation of a potential criminal charge being brought against you. So Mm-hmm. What do I do in that context, right? Like, suppose I'm driving the Tiger Woods car and I lose control and drive off the road. What do I do? That's question number one, because now when the police come, yeah, they'll provide medical care if you need it or get get you medical care if you need it. But they're also going to be asking you the questions to see if you're going to give them the information that will incriminate you so that they can charge you criminally. So should you just be quiet? Well, the big fish never got caught who kept his mouth shut, right? And so if you don't say anything, then at least you're not speaking against yourself mm-hmm. as opposed to... Officer, I'm so sorry. I was driving 85 miles an hour and I lost control of the car because I had my phone in my hand and I was FaceTiming with my girlfriend. You know, why would you say that? Right, of course. So in watching 35 going on 36 years of DUI videotapes, it's almost like I can see the little Bugs Bunny light bulb going off over my client's heads during the video when they make that assessment at that crucial period of time when the officer says, well, have you had anything to drink earlier in the evening? And I can see there's that, I'm going to be honest with the officer. I'm going to tell him I had two beers over three hours and I ate some pizza, but you've just given the officer probable cause to then start the DUI protocol, which is, okay, you've had something to drink. Now I get to investigate, Mm -hmm. and I'd like you to do the walk and turn and the leg lift, which in Georgia are voluntary. There's a breath test, blood test, which can be enforced by a suspended license if you don't take it. So trying to be honest, because we were all taught to be honest to the Boy Scouts and to our coach and our faith, but at the side of the road, sometimes that's not the best decision. And I've often seen when people ask me what I'm going to do, if it ever happened to me, I'm going to put the keys on top of the car and I'm going to assume the position. I'm going to give the (laughs) officer my license and insurance card, and I'm not saying a word. I'm calling Bruce Hagen as soon as I get out, and he'll find me a good lawyer to represent. And I've told this to <laughs> friends whose kids are going going off to college at UGA. Sure, it's like, oh, your kid is going to Athens. Be prepared for him to have a criminal record. That's right. Um, because guess what? The police do there. They love to arrest these false kids ID. for underage drinking, yep. possession of alcohol by a minor, false ID, anything. And I'll tell the kids, I know your parents raise you to respect authority and to be a yes sir, no sir kind of guy. But the minute some police officer starts asking you questions, you keep your mouth shut. You know, I get these horrified looks from my friends like, why are you telling my kid this? Like, I'm saving you five grand that you're going to pay Judice to go up to Athens and get that misdemeanor false ID charge, minor in possession of alcohol, which could cost them their Zell Miller scholarship. 
citizenship, by yeah. the way. Not, not yeah. only that, guess what? When you take the bar exam That's and you right. want to be a lawyer, you're going to have to write that down on an application for your fitness to practice law and explain to somebody why you should be allowed to get a law license because when you were 19, you got caught underage drinking. You want to go yeah. into the military. You want to be a doctor and have a federal narcotics license. Yeah. Uh, you want to be know, a stockbroker. Yeah, that's right. I mean, now after Homeland Security, back in after 9-11, everybody's computer talks to everybody's computer in the law enforcement world. When you get inked or scanned, that scan of your fingerprints goes to the GBI here in Georgia, the FBI up in Quantico, Homeland, probably someplace that's under the Capitol that we don't know about, right. <laughs> probably Customs. Everybody knows about it. You can't hide that, that little old misdemeanor you got up at the Falcons game or something. Say nothing. If we can take Assume anything away. the position and keep quiet. <laughs> I always say my, our, my, my assistant in this case is called Donna Duct Tape. Okay? Uh-huh. We're, <laughs> we're shutting you up. Thank you so much, fellas. Another great episode of Your Day in Court, Bruce. Hagen and Ray Judice. Make sure you check us out every Saturday and Sunday here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.